Welcome to the podcast that teaches you how to transform your life and your business. Here is your host, Rick Hyland, and this is CI for Life. Okay, welcome to another CI for Life podcast. I'm Rick Hyland. I have a very special guest today, here today, Jackson Franson. How are you, Jackson? Doing great. How are you? Love the bow tie. Love the red jacket. Um, looks like you're ready to talk retention and profitability. I am. All right. Sure. Nice. So, Jackson, before we jump into those two favorite topics here in recessionary 2023, uh, specifically how small business can improve profitability and retention and take care of people at the same time, uh, why don't you give us a little bit of your background and history? Yeah, sure. So um, a little bit about who I am. I live here in the lovely state of Utah um, and grew up here, lived in Colorado as well. So I've always been close to the mountains. And so that's that's brought me to a lot of canyoneering, a lot of um, uh, kayaking, mountain biking, uh, those those type of things, snowboarding, all that um, has become uh, part of my life um, that gets me out. Um, and hopefully with my kids, I've got uh, been married for, for, let's see, 14 years now, coming up on 14 years. I'm glad you could remember it. Yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. I I hope that's right. It, it might have just been a guess, but... Uh, <laughs> Let's see. And then I uh, have four kids, two boys, two girls um, in that order. Uh, the girls are the cutest thing ever. And no doubt. It's, they're, they're cool too. But um, <laughs> and they're, they're actually really smart kids. They just, uh, um, with the school ending, da- winding down, uh, they had, uh, they're in elementary school in fifth grade and fourth grade um, yeah. and uh, had a STEM competition that, uh, one of them won, nice. which um, was kind of cool. And then yeah. they had a meet. Uh, a little background about me, where I come from, where I come in the business world is, is that um, ever since I was young, always involved in in building businesses, being around businesses. My dad, he's a big entrepreneur. Uh, he started out in the real estate um, world, um, and that led him to a lot of other business ventures. And including things like owning um, vending machine type things, resort motels, do you know, really across the spectrum on there. And so, growing up in that atmosphere, uh, he kind of said, you know, you can either work for someone or you can work for yourself. Um, there's and advantages and disadvantages of both of them. And of course, growing up as a kid of an entrepreneur, you get to see um, how different life is um, from a steady paycheck uh, to uh, a wild roller coaster ride of, of adventure. Um, and so that was, that was my growing up portion. Um, and I went into college and studied um, legal studies and um and finance. And so um, at that time I worked all through college. So it was kind of just a mix of college and, and work. Um, at, and that kind of brought me into the personal financial planning world, um, had my own insurance agency, was a financial planner for years. And then uh, Wells Fargo brought me into more of the corporate finance world where I was lending to businesses, uh, uh, middle market businesses. And then I went to a a regional bank and was a VP of um, 
of commercial lending there. But then I kind of pursued more of my passion in an area that I really loved, which um, Wells Fargo Trust Company kind of contacted me and said, hey, um, with your legal studies background, do you want to be a business negotiations consultant for our trust companies? And that was a ton of fun. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, it was it. It's a fun, fast-paced world in that type of uh, world in corporate trusts. Um, we, I was over, um, uh, kind of the aircraft end of things. So like Delta Airlines and and American, all of them have um, their airplanes placed in corporate trusts. So that's what we dealt with. Um, and then I went to another trust company that dealt with airplanes too. So ultra high net worth individuals um, dealing with their home offices for their jets that they have for their company or for, for their personal, you know, um, Elon Musk wasn't one of our clients, but that that's the kind of um, structure, you know, someone who flies around the world for business um, with their jet and needs to place it in a trust on that side. And I love that because I, I love business negotiation and, um, and the legal side of things. And, and then from there, uh, about a year ago, I transitioned to, to helping improve business cultures, communications, and profitability through um, setting up my own coaching and consulting practice. Yeah. So that's a little background on me on there. Yeah, that brings us to the topics of today that are super important uh, as small businesses, uh, perhaps some struggling in the recession of 2023. So we want to talk about how we improve profitability. And I know you got some exciting tools and processes and coaching around that. Uh, in fact, one of your promises is to improve profitability in 60 days by 20%. So give us a little bit of insight uh, and for the listeners on how you do that or what small business owners should look at in order to get improved profitability in their business in a short time. A lot of times when we think about doubling our profits or increasing profits, we make it a lot more complicated than what it really needs to be. And so let me show you how it's really simple. Really, the math of it is a no-brainer, which um, here on my screen, I've got a calculator. And you can, you can play around with this calculator too for free, anyone. Just go to my website up here. It's thriving.biz forward slash sim or simulator. And you'll come to this calculator where you can play around with your with your numbers and your business as well. So I just took um, the average numbers for the US. So gross profit margins for businesses in the US on average are between 40 and 60%. So I just put in 60% as a gross profit margin. And net profit margins on average for all businesses in the US are 5 to 10%. Um, of course, these vary drastically depending on the industry that you're in, but I just yeah. took average. Um, so taking a million on the revenue side, you'll see here down in the bottom that the current profit would be, um, actually, I guess I put in 10 million. doesn't matter either way on that side. Um, your current profit on here, I have as a million from that 10% net profit. So all you need to do to, to double your profits is simply just cut your costs by 5%. For some businesses, that's super easy. Um, and increase your prices, profits by 5.5%. Profits or prices or? A... Right, prices. My, okay. Okay. my bad on that side. But as you can see there, bam. Yeah. 
Markets have increased from 1 million to 2 million in this scenario. So that's the secret right there. It is. Well, I love how you're making it simple and then and then go ahead and figure out with your team or your partners how to do that. Uh, and the, that makes most sense, right? How to get that 5% in price and how to get that 5% in cost. That would need a little bit of discussion, but I'm sure you take them through that deep dive as well. Exactly. Yep. Yep. And that's really where the secret sauce comes in is how to do that. Um, and of course, with my clients, we we identify that off the bat. What are the feasibility side on there? Um, but to go through a few applications that I've found as most applicable, do you want to kind of talk through a couple yeah, of those? Please, please. On there? Yep. So first one um, that I've found as an easy, quick way to reduce costs for you and your business is to simply just do an audit of your suppliers. So this can be a simple task, as simple as just going to them and telling them that you're doing an audit. That usually shakes the trees and just says, okay, you know, you're doing an audit. We'd love to ask you a disc. We'd love to offer you a discount price on on this widget or or on these services that we're providing you. Um, and usually they'll they'll start just by you asking, um, offering discounts associated with um, auditing those suppliers for either services or or products that you're buying from others. Second one is often something that people overlook, and it's one of the most magical things. It's it. What I found is with working with businesses is once they start asking their employees yeah. areas they can co- cut costs, magically costs just start to reduce as far as internal costs with your company. Um, because your employees start thinking of things, of ways that they can they can actually save the business money and knowing that, hey, if I can save the business money, that, that can translate to me having more Keeping a job or a yeah. good pay or yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it has a psychological effect to to ask your employees on there. It's also they they're the ones who are on the front line who look at those expenses day to day as well. You also tend to reduce by incentivizing this um, waste that may be going out by, you know, employees taking home uh, more paper clips or whatever it may be on that side. They're just more conscious of that. I love how simple those ideas and both of those ideas engage because in implementation, you need ownership and engagement, right? In order for these ideas to work. And so now your suppliers and your employees are engaged in this uh, battle to save 5%. I love it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I love that kind of uh, non-resistance um, yeah. uh, as, as a start. Of course, there's more more that we could always dive into on that side. Okay. Well, let's, let's jump onto the revenue side. You've already talked about, you know, increased prices. Um, you know, what else could we do? Maybe that's not possible, or maybe you can a little bit, and I have to look at other things to improve revenue. What are two simple ideas that you share with clients on improving revenue? Yeah, when we switch to the revenue side, one of the best things that I have found over the time when you start thinking of revenue is to go back to the basics of what is my unique selling position or my market dominating position as a company. And so that's really where I try to focus with clients where to start going uh, in order to look at the top line growth to increase their revenues. And so that's where I think that you should revisit um, 
whenever you're thinking of revenue. And one of the greatest things that I've found is that there's often a lot of discussion internally within businesses as to how do we set ourselves apart? You know, how do, how do we do this better than our competition? How do we stand out and things like that? And that type of top uh, down approach is great. But I found that there's actually a better approach when it comes to that, which is a bottom up approach to setting yourself apart and becoming a market dominating company. And that goes by surveying your customers, listening to them very closely. So going out to the market and saying, what do you need at this time? The market may have changed. What what do you need with our product or service? When you look at that, what is most important to you today? How has that changed from the past? You know, listening to your customers very closely and your customers will develop the market dominating position for you. Mm. So I found that to be powerful. Oh, I, let me just build on that because I've, I've heard some recent examples of exactly that on the retail sector side. I have uh, a client um, that uh, manufactures performance, all day performance apparel and competes with Lululemon and companies called Doer. And, and I've just finished the book on Lululemon and how they got started. And by the way, it was uh, to your first point on uh, sticking to the the niche that they served well. Um he calls them power women, but yoga pants and just dominating that niche with their dominating product of stretchy pants, right? And and then um, what Chip Wilson used to do, the founder of Lululemon and Gary Lennett, the founder of Doer, they go to the retail stores and listen and watch their uh, employees or, or sorry, their customers put on their clothing and their shirts and their jeans and their pants and their belts and listen to what they're saying. And uh, that they get an incredible amount of intel on how to improve the product and which products um, maybe to uh, promote more. So, yeah, that, that's another way, right, to how to listen to your customer very carefully. Oh, yeah. And one thing to pick up on one of those things that you can also use to also help improve the culture of your business as well is to involve more than just your C-suite or management into this type of a process. Mm-hmm. Simply to encourage even your frontline employees to listen to the customers as well and report that back to people who can make change within the business to adjust to their customers. Uh, it's so often that that a frontline employee can see exactly the pain point that a customer is having uh, or something that's reoccurring, you know, uh, customers are returning specifically, returning items specifically for this problem, or because they found competitors who liked it, or, or you can apply that across all different industries on there. No, I agree. Another example, um, a recruiter out of Houston, in the recession, listening to their customers, you know, um, add, can you can add a vertical product, or you can add another service that the customers are asking for so that you can find other revenue that way. So there's lots of lots of value of listening carefully to the customer and what they're saying. And you know, if you're Steve Jobs, you you uh, you create the demand and then the people want it, but most of us have to listen very carefully to where the customer is going or it could go. Uh, and that's a great way to add revenue. No, that's a, that's a super point. Anything else on revenue before we leave that one? Yeah, one thing just to, it, it's kind of been over lightly, but I wanted to bring it to uh, a head on here, which is, um, is that there's a lot of fear with small business owners of increasing prices. Right. But 
if you can break through the mold of being competition to your competition and going towards what a lot of people call the blue ocean strategy of really focusing on this market dominating position and setting yourself out as being different from your competition, better, uh, faster, stronger, whatever it may be on that side, then increasing your prices doesn't have that minutia and it helps re- remove the psychological point of, of uh, hey, if I increase prices, maybe someone will, will leave us. In fact, when you set yourself apart, you almost demand to your customer that you're going to increase your prices because you're showing them that your, your product or service is more valuable than your competition because you're different. So you can't be priced the same as your your competition when you have a better market dominating position. Yeah, so really, really good point. You know, very few Walmarts, et cetera, compete on you know quality and low price. But most small businesses, if you can, you know, have a market dominating unique proposition or at least serving a certain niche so well that why would they go anywhere else? You have a great chance to increase prices, even in a recession. Uh, that's a great point. And it is, is sometimes a mental block, isn't it? Uh, exactly. People need to get over. No, that's good. So, okay, I got three ideas on the revenue side there. One, just making sure that you're really playing to your strengths and know what your strengths are and promoting uh, the benefits of those to your niches. Um, listen to customers very hard, whether it be in the retail store, on feedback forms, you know, wherever it might be, and listen to your employees and what they're finding out as the big opportunities for improvement. And then uh, to your last point there, in, in increasing prices could be part of that solution to double your profitability in 60 days. Oh, great stuff, Jackson. I love how um, simple you're trying to make it as well uh, about uh, implementing those ideas. Uh, so Jackson, let's switch over to the other issue we wanted to talk about that you have a lot of good tools and processes and coaching around. Big issue around retention today, how to keep the right employees. Uh, maybe some companies are experiencing layoffs, but they still want to keep the right employees and talent in order to survive and thrive through 2023. What's your coaching ideas, processes, and helping people on the retention side and keeping top talent? Yeah. So this kind of question is always a question in the um, booms and the busts of business. Yep. And it's everything around the talent side. And I found there's, there's those people who seem to have it figured out and those who are still in the questioning world of it. And, and there's a science to um, talent management. There's a science to building dream teams. Um, and it's, it's getting easier today with a lot of the tools that are coming out. Um, and of course we could have other conversations of what those tools are, but the nice thing is there's a lot of help for people who are just figuring out. So it doesn't have to become just an art of, Hey, I feel through this, you know, I'm, I feel like I'm good at hiring, you know, tough type of things. We can cut that out in today's world and we can actually go to a more scientific approach uh, and a scientific approach that isn't just uh, resume oriented, but is actual people oriented, understanding who someone is deeply in the hiring process or understanding your team as it is today and making adjustments to to make your team stronger. Um, those things are really awesome. And now 
kind of going back to that cut cost cutting side of things, what I've seen as a big mistake in the bus cycle of businesses is a lot of times um, business owners will sit down with their accounting teams, they'll look at their expenses and they'll notice that, hey, payroll is one of my highest expenses on here. How can we, if we just cut costs in this, then everything will be better. That sometimes can turn out to be a really bad mistake. Um, and I would encourage employers to change their mindset around the cost of their payroll and instead look at that as an investment. And that really helps on the hiring end, the retention end, the culture and everything. And being able to say, hey, this is a huge part of our investment. How can we improve our investment in this area? And one, a couple ideas that are helpful for this in a bus cycle is to instead of looking for the highest priced um, employees to bring on who have all the skills and who know everything, it's instead to look for people that you can bring on and bring up in a recessionary period. So this is a great opportunity to, to look for a low or no cost um, employees. So really going out there and looking for interns, looking for um, for commission-based salespeople, yep. um, and really starting that instead of looking at just the skills that they may have, keeping your good team members who are willing to train and bring up those employees is a great way to be able to build a good culture and also be able to create a better mix of your investment on your people and treating it more like a portfolio that can be diversified with um, the type of people that are in there, their experiences and what you're looking to grow it to be um, rather than looking at it as an expense. Yeah, that's a really good point. And um, even if it, you know, even if you are challenged in that area and, and it is expensive, there are things people are doing right in the IT world. Smith Johnson Tech is noticing that instead of FTEs, because those are hard to get approval for these days, people are going on contract, but still treating them like employees and developing them. Um, and then, you know, on the other side, we are the Institute out of Ogden is finding great success and doing commission salespeople where maybe last year, those talented people wouldn't be willing to do that. But um, if you get the right type of person that's hungry and driven on the commission side, as you said, it really lowers your cost. And the only time you're having costs is if you're increasing revenue. So this is the time to kind of experiment with some of those models where last year, maybe you couldn't get top people to do either of those strategies, but today you could. Um, very good. And any uh, any other thoughts on retention? I know you've got tools and processes to make it more scientific that probably over a podcast, we can't show them, but can you talk through uh, some of the things you take companies through to uh, on the scientific side to make sure you got the right talent? For sure. Yeah. On the basic side, um, you know, of course, uh, on a, a um, executive type coaching, one-on-one -on -one type of thing, I'll use DISC, which is pretty common out there. Yep. But for actual gathering of intel and actually putting it into a uh, actionable se sequence and building it into the... Um, the company itself, the, the greatest tool I've ever seen is Predictive Index, their software company that is around this. Um, and their software really is good at, at helping you 
improve your culture, survey employees, um, hire the right people, find the right, you know, advertise the right way for the people that you want um, and retain and create leadership at all levels. So it's a tool that helps you to do all that. Of course, you need a coach or consultant to help you with that because software um, does nothing if you don't ever learn how to use it to the best of its ability. And you can, uh, we've all experienced that with software, you know, if yep. seeing something really fancy, but not knowing how to use it does nothing for you. Um, and so I, I highly recommend, of course, I highly recommend it because I'm a supplier, but, but also before that um, predictive index, I think is, is the best tool that's out there for um, management around that space. Um, but another thing, just to really quick on the thoughts of, of, of who to hire and bring in there, there was a study done by um, the Carnegie Institute and the Harvard Business School. So Andrew Carnegie, Harvard Business School, um, they went out and they, they had this question as to what is the number one indicator of what makes people succeed. And they came up with three different things. And those three things were skills, attitude, and knowledge. And the surprising thing in their study is that they had found that if you split that up out of a pie of eight of 100%, that the result was that the number one indicator of success for an individual out of skills, attitude, and knowledge is actually attitude on there. It's not oh, skills yeah. or knowledge. And by percentage, that's 85% of, of an indicator of success is attitude. So with skills and knowledge only being being 15% really on there, you will see success in focusing on skills and knowledge, you know, looking at the resume side of things or, or trying to increase skills, you'll, you'll move the needle, but not nearly as much as the attitude side of things. So I guess that's one of those evidences that, that culture is king. Um, and also that when you're hiring, you, you hire for attitude and then uh, you try skills. Yeah. After. I, I think that's a big roadblock. Many people think, oh, I can only hire employees that have expertise in my industry for my clients. And yet that's a very expensive way to do it. Uh, a cheaper or more effective investment, maybe, particularly if you're good at training and development, coaching and development, which Jackson can help you be, is uh, in development, hire them, uh, perhaps younger, cheaper, with the right attitude, and train and develop the skill set, uh, the expertise in your industry or in your product. Um, there's lots of companies starting to move to that, but yet many are are hung up a little bit on that idea. Oh no, my clients won't accept them because they don't have industry expertise. Well, you know, you can save yourself a lot of money and become a great training and development organization, which has its own benefits, right? People love being part of a culture where they're being developed and they can learn. In fact, millennials are demanding that today that uh, we add that as part of the perks or part of the uh, part of being part of businesses, you know, being great at training and development. So I would say that's a gr another great tool for retention is, and for lowering your investment, initial investment on employees. So yeah, well done. Great, great stuff. Jackson, I'll give you the mic uh, one more time. Any, your father's an entrepreneur, you're an entrepreneur, you coach entrepreneurs, any final advice for entrepreneurs in 223, anything come to mind that you, a nugget you want to share with them? Yeah, it, it's simply this, which is, it's kind of a play on the, on the keep it simple, 
But it, to me, I found with businesses across the board, everything comes back to the principles. So look for the principles uh, when things start getting confusing or tough or, or things start going wrong is just sit down and look for the principle that you've either deviated from or that you need to double down on. Um, so that would be my words of advice there. Very nice. Can you give an example there that's come to mind recently? Yeah. Um, so uh, I, I'm coaching an insurance agent and she has been so focused on like, hey, what what um, color should I put on this ad that I'm going to put on Facebook? And, and I've kind of had to turn back to her and be like, okay, yeah, you're asking me about the color of the ad, which may or may not affect things on there. But I, the more important question is, how many ads have you put up? How many how many offers have you made? How many people have you talked to? Um, and so, so I think that's one of those things is like, hey, hey, um, what's the principle? <laughs> you know, I, is the principle I, what I color is it? Or I got what you're saying. Now. Yeah. So don't get lost in the weeds, which is very tempting, <laughs> particularly if you're the technician entrepreneur, right? Um, mm-hmm. If you're the technical side, like you know your product better than, you know, there's a real temptation to get into the weeds and that can actually start you from being effective and more profitable and growing your business because you're so tied up in the weeds rather than the principles or rather than even delegating it to somebody else if possible. So well, I get you now. Yeah, that that is a major issue, particularly if you're the technical entrepreneur. So thank you for that. So Jackson, where can people find you if they want to hear more about your tools, processes and coaching? Yeah. So easiest place to go is my website, thriving.biz. Again, that's thriving.biz. You can access a whole bunch of free stuff like that simulator on there. I've got free resources on there. Um, And also all my contact information is there. You can always email me at jackson at thriving.biz. That's the easy way there. You can also text me too. In fact, for a promotion that I'm running right now, which is actually a challenge to business owners, um, it's what it is, is it's a six-week challenge. What, what you do is you get to put down a um, deposit, which normally is $5,000, but for, for the audience here, um, it's 3000 You put that down as a deposit. You get a coach. You get me as your coach for um, the next six weeks. And in that six week, the challenge is, is to, to increase your profits by 20%. If you increase your profits by 20%, uh, within that six weeks, I give you that deposit back. You get that straight back for for yourself, improving your business by twenty percent, and probably earning way more than that back on there. Um, if you don't reach it within that six weeks, I then will work with you for the next um, uh, thirty days without any other expense to me whatsoever. I work for you for free. To help get you to that within the next 30 days, uh, even more intensely on that side. Because we really want to see more business succeed. Wow, that's so. a great, that's a great little uh promise there. So yeah, get a hold, listeners, get a hold of Jackson on those emails, and I'll put it in the show notes as well where you can find him. But Jackson, uh, you're the man. Appreciate your insights. I love how simple and principle-based you've made your uh, coaching today to small business and Thank you and best of success to you. Cheers. Cheers.